Welcome to another episode. I am V and this is the Sussex set. So much has happened between last week and this week, and I'm definitely going to get into some of that. But before we do, as always, let's jump into the charity spotlight. This week, I am highlighting a charity called 52 Lives. It is another charity followed by Sussex Royal on Instagram as they highlight community for the month of October. This is such a cool charity. And, you know, it's almost like how charities should begin, how they should start, how they should come into being. It started very, very small, almost, uh, well, not almost, actually, among friends and family. And then it just grew because more people heard about it. And the more they heard about it, the more they wanted to participate uh, because the model is so simple. So 52 Lives, they have three basic ways of operating. One, you or someone else nominates a person in need. Two, they help. And three, the world changes one life at a time. That's their philosophy. That's the way they view kindness. And the charity itself is based around being kind, sharing kindness with the world and improving the world through kindness. So 52 Lives aims to change someone's life every week of the year. It's based on the simple premise that people are good and lots of good people working together can achieve amazing things. They believe that kindness has the power to change people's lives, strengthen communities, and ultimately change the world. People from all over the world can nominate someone in need of kindness. It's as simple as that. And so every week they choose someone to help. They share their story and they request what they need and help to change that person's life. So 52 different people every year, one person per week. Like, how cool is that? It's so simple and it's truly something that anybody can do. Like you can do it in your daily or your individual life, right? Even in your daily practice, maybe you'll do um, some people I know they do good deeds. They do uh, a conscious good deed every day. I don't know. Maybe you'll pick a person to be super kind to every week, you know, because we can all start somewhere, right? Or you'll do something kind for that person if you know they're working on something or if you know they're struggling or you might have heard through the grapevine that, you know, it's hard out here for a lot of people. So you can fill in the blank. But I, I just like how simple the model is. One of the things that makes 52 Lives unique is that 100% of what people give goes to the person that they're helping for that week. Everything goes to the person that they're choosing to help that week. 52 Lives is supported by almost 100,000 kind strangers and a range of high-profile individuals who help them to change the lives of people every week. They have received an award from the UK Prime Minister and their work is currently being promoted by the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So I'm taking this from their website, but it's just getting that much more promotion and traction that it needs because, again, it's such a simple idea. We know that um, the Duchess is such a proponent for just simply being kind, making it cool to be kind or chic to be kind. Um, it costs nothing. It's free. It's it's free. Um, and it's ironic because you would think a person like that would get kindness in return, right? Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Plenty of time to talk about that. But I'm so glad that the Duke and Duchess highlighted this charity because it really just kind of demonstrates to all of us that simply starting where you are is good enough. 52 Lives was founded by Jamie Thurston in November of 2013, and it began as a Facebook page. And she set that up as a way for her friends and her family to help people. But since then, it's grown into a global network of almost 100,000 kind people who follow their weekly requests on Facebook, Twitter, and through their email newsletter. They have been lucky enough to gain the support of over 52 celebrities, I'm sure many more now, and they're regularly featured in different press outlets, and I'm sure that will continue. And just to 
talk about their philosophy. Quote, 52 Lives gives people tangible help, but our philosophy goes much deeper than that. The most important thing we do is spread kindness. We believe unexpected kindness is a powerful thing and can change someone's whole outlook on life. The people we help all say the same thing, that what changed their lives wasn't the thing we gave them, but the kindness, the fact that complete strangers cared about them. We believe our collective actions determine the kind of world we live in. We just need to choose kindness at every possible opportunity. Hear, hear. It's not much you can say to that <laughs> other than I agree. If you don't agree with that, then you, you got some other things you probably, you know, you probably need to work on. So um, it's a simple thing to do. And again, it's free. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to be kind. And here's another cool thing. They also have a school of kindness is what they call a school of kindness where the charity works with thousands of children every year as part of their school of kindness. Each week they visit a different school to run kindness workshops. And those workshops aim to empower children by helping them realize that the little choices they make every day can make a big difference to the world. So the school Kindness Project was launched with prize money from the Clarence Woman of the Year Award, which was won by 52 Lives founder Jamie Thurston in 2016. Well done, sis. That's amazing. So if you want to find out more about 52 Lives, how you can help, you can simply donate. You can go to 52-lives.org and just learn a little bit more about their website. Please do, and, and organizations, uh, please do check out their Instagram page. Um, I really love how they highlight, they use a number to highlight, I guess, the number of, uh, the number that they're currently on with helping people, because of course it's 52 people per year, but you get to see a little bit more background about how the help, how the money, how the donations impacted the person that was chosen for that week in particular. So definitely just check them out. Look around. They got a couple videos on there and just truly just be inspired. Because, again, even if you don't have, say, the funds to donate to any charity at this time. It's still an idea you can take with you because Ultimately, you're still supporting the charity by continue, well, choosing to put kindness in the world in the place of something on the other end of the spectrum, if you will. So um, that's definitely something I'm going to take away from just learning about the charity because it's like it's something so simple. It doesn't have to be intricate. It doesn't have to be searching for a cure for, you know, a uh, an, an illness or disease. It doesn't have to be building a school, although that's fine too. That's great. It can simply be showing kindness, right? So go to 52-lives.org and see more about this charity and find a way to fit into what they're doing because it's great. Thanks, Harry and Megan, for highlighting 52 Lives. As many of you guys know, the documentary Harry and Meghan, it premiered on ABC News, I believe it was, in America and ITV in the States. I hadn't had a chance to talk about it. And in between last week and this week, pretty much everybody who was waiting to see it got to see it. And so I just want to talk briefly about it. I actually ended up watching it on YouTube. There was a clip that someone um, shared. So I got to see it before it aired on TV. I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was nice for the most part. Um, I I don't have any complaints about it. I know a lot of people were saying that they didn't like the way that it was marketed because going into the documentary, it was the circulation of the, the interview clips with Harry and Meghan uh, both individually as they were talking about sort of the ordeal that they were going through with the press and how that was maybe impacting their daily lives. But when they watched the documentary, it wasn't so much that. Um, 
But I mean, going into the documentary, it's they say it is about the tour. It's behind the scenes. And it's um, possible that Tom Bradby, when he began the documentary, didn't realize that the suit was coming or the statement or the announce, you know, the announcement was coming on day nine of the tour. So you kind of have to look at it like that. But I don't have an issue with how it was marketed because it is marketing at the end of the day. Um, You do want people to tune in. You want people to um, have conversations about it and not just the emotionally charged clips of Megan and Harry talking about their interactions with with the press and the, the negative impacts of that, but also to talk about the things that they were doing on the tour, the projects that are so important to them that they wanted to highlight, which is a big part of them going on tour in the first place. So I, I thought that I thought the documentary did a really good job of and I guess I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone who is not paying attention as closely as we are. So someone who may just be flipping channels and says, oh, well, let me, let me see what they're up to. And I thought it encased the tour very well from start to finish. And if you notice the interview clips, uh, specifically the one with Megan, where she's talking about how she wa- she just thought it would be fair and how she mentioned her friends told her not to do it. It's the last day. It's the last day of the tour. So that was really when you would talk about it. And I only remember because of the dress that she was wearing. Um, I mean, I don't really know how how else it could have gone. And of course, if you want people to tune in, that's the one that you're that's the one that you're going to use um, and circulate. So I didn't have an issue with that. I know some people did. But um, another thing I really did appreciate was. And I honestly, I don't know very much about the interviewer or the 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 man who presented the documentary, Tom Bradby. I don't know much about him, but I did appreciate the fact that he talked about his own mental health issues and having to take a leave of absence in the past from his career, from his work, which is the work that he's bringing to people who are interested in watching the documentary itself. I think that's, you know, I've never heard a journalist, even within their own piece, talk about their mental health struggles. I'll say especially within their own piece. I've I've seen people in the public life talk about um, their mental health struggles or whether it's depression or whatever. But in the piece itself, and I think that it was appropriate simply because Harry and Meghan do talk so much about mental health and destigmatizing mental health. And so to me, I felt like that was Tom Bradby putting his money where his mouth is. And the fact that he felt comfortable enough to do that, to me, I thought that was really cool. And it to me, it shows the respect that Harry has for him. Not the, his disclosure of him taking a break due to mental health reasons, but the fact that he was allowed to do the documentary with Harry and Megan. I guess he had done one with William and Kate at some point in the past. Um, So clearly he's somebody that at least the two of those couples uh, respect enough to give them, give him that kind of access. Uh, And for me with Harry and Megan, that says a lot just because they have every reason in the world to be as guarded as they want to be given what they've gone through up to this point. Yeah, so other than that, there's not really a whole lot else I can say about it. I really do love the fact, though, that, and I said this in the last episode, that Harry and Meghan are speaking for themselves. That I do love, and that they're speaking honestly. It's not some canned response to the questions, and I also thought he he asked really good questions. In order to get those responses from Harry and Meghan, not that they have anything to hide, but Oftentimes, the question is just as important as the reply or the response. So I thought he worded them with compassion. And and also, um, I I like that they feel empowered enough to speak for themselves. And that was on the tour. We're only seeing it now, but on the tour. So obviously, it kicked off with a statement. (laughs) 
I don't even know what the 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 feeling must have been like for Harry knowing that he was about to drop that statement and having these people who are smiling in, in y'all's faces who you know as soon as y'all get back home or before y'all started the tour was writing all this nasty stuff telling lies and stuff about your wife I I just don't even know how that must have been and Harry is always going to have my respect but for them to be on the tour at day nine at day 10 and feel still empowered enough to speak about what they're going through while they're there with the same people that's putting them through it I mean my hat's off to them because that honestly that couldn't have been easy but it's also a way for them to take their power back so I thought the documentary showed that well they have a voice and they are feeling empowered to use it that's one of Megan's favorite quotes I like that they're living by it and when it was all said and done my main takeaway from it just the idea of them speaking for themselves that they're done taking it they're done just being quiet sitting back and taking it just because they're royal or just because they know what they signed up for that's a wrap that's my takeaway which we love we love because we know that the press they beat up on Megan specifically right because Harry already sort of went through his phase and I'm talking about like in his teens and 20s the press was really 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 hard on him he was just basically out there by himself right um they decided that they were going to beat up on Megan and they thought that she had no voice. They thought that as soon as she became a royal, she had no recourse, that she had no way to um, reach the public or reach her fans. And that's just not the case. So I thought they demonstrated that well. Also, a big thank you to Daniel Martin for mentioning the Maya Angelou Megan mashup video on CBS demonstrating how her supporters are just really out here for her. Like that was enough. But to know that she actually saw the video and that you sent it to her. I still can't believe it. <laughs> I really can't. But, you know, I really, really appreciate that because or knowing that because no one should go through what she is going through or has dealt with. And we're starting to see how it's just so many more people are recognizing that and they're refusing to keep silent about it. But I've always at the center of making those videos have said, okay, well, what if on just some random stuff, Megan or Harry, you know, cause I've made videos for him, the one for Archie, the dear baby Sussex. What if they just stumbled upon it? You know what I'm saying? Because the internet is global. You know, that's the unique thing about the time that we're living in where you can put something out there and it's just out there. Anybody can see it, you know? Um, just what if? And so to have confirmation that she actually did see it, for all I know, she could have hated it because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all I know is that she saw it. But to know that she knows that people are out here from afar, sending her as many good vibes as we can. We don't know what it's like to be her. We don't know what it's like to go through what she has gone through. And at the scale and the level of scrutiny, you know, um, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, let alone somebody who is as kind and as gracious as she has shown herself to be. So, Daniel, again, thank you. Thank you, Gail King and everybody at CBS for um, just doing the segment. I just appreciate Gail having Daniel on, you know, someone who Megan knows and trusts that can talk about her strength, that can talk about her resilience and her kindness and just who they know her to be, whether she's a duchess or not, you know, kind of like how Ellen and also Gail has had Harry's good friend Nacho on their shows to talk about what he knows to be true 
about Harry and how what he knows about Harry differs from what the British media is trying to convince the public about Harry. So, I, I, I mean, like, I really appreciate that. Um, so many people were saying, oh, congratulations. I mean, I will accept those congratulations. Thank you. But at the end of the day, the video is not for me, you know, other than Megan, right? It's not really for anyone in particular, but it's for anyone who could possibly pull something from it. Um, the congratulations, while they're kind, for me, it has always been about Megan knowing that she's loved. And that's basically what I saw from everybody who even interacted with that news that um, that Megan saw the video was just that or even when Daniel originally replied to the tweet on Twitter of the video that, hey, just let Megan know that she's left. Like literally nine out of 10 comments were individuals saying because they know Megan knows um, Daniel knows Megan. And if he wanted to, he could just send her the tweet and then she can scroll and see all the comments herself. Tell Megan she's loved. Just please tell her that we love her. Tell her we are here fighting for her. Tell her that, um, you know, we don't believe a word of what's being said. And all we want her to know is that she should keep her head up, stay strong. We love you, period. That's that's it. So for me, that's what it's been about. For you, I'm sure that's what it's about is for her to know. So the video is just really another uh, vehicle to deliver that message to Megan and Harry, of course, as well. Um, so, uh, again, thank you. Um, thank you, Megan. Girl, yes, queen, yes. <laughs> hey, Megan, I know you're not listening to my podcast and really don't don't do it. But <laughs> thank you, Daniel. Thank you um, to the squad for just uh, sending Megan your good, good vibes, your love. And um, because, you know, as Harry said in the statement, they need it. Who doesn't need it? And to be honest, we have no shortage of it. So uh, we right here with you, sis. So don't. Don't think for a second that it's any different than that. So um, just keep doing what you do best, and that's being you. Waking up every morning and being you. Period. Done. And Archie's mom and 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 Harry's Harry's boo. You feel me? Um, and an inspiration to just so many people around the globe. And the thing is, you were that before you were the Duchess of Sussex. So I know you're never going to forget that because you know who your mama is, but that's just something that we all admire about Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. So be who you are, know who you are. That's a challenge for so many people uh, of all ages. So uh, that in and of itself, it's a win. <laughs> uh, and it's something that I, I personally pull from very regularly because Megan, you really, really inspire me. So uh, thank you for just being who you are. That's all you got to do. And if people have a problem with that, then that's just it. It's their problem. Let me pivot for a minute and say shout out to the uh, 70 plus members of parliament, madams of parliament, led by Miss Holly Lynch. The letter itself was dynamite, and it didn't shy away from the truth. The undertones are racist. They have been racist from day one, really before day one, because Harry told y'all what he was and wasn't going to tolerate when it came to the reporting of his wife, then girlfriend. And uh, really not much has changed since then. Except the fight that they are willing to put up, and I'm talking about Harry and Meghan and the people who support them, because clearly the British press, they know they try it. Like, they know they're garbage. But it's still good to have the world now see entities like these members of parliament, like, you know, Michelle Obama, Oprah, people who have voices, you know, because all they do only with a minimal amount of success, if at all. All they do to regular people like us, you know, <laughs> on Twitter and social media is they try to marginalize us, call us um, names, bots. We've been called every, every name in the book. But you can't do that to 70 members of parliament. 
that's not so easy. They will try. They will call them liberals. They will call them, you know, whatever talking point the right wing has gone over. They're going to throw that at the people who support Harry and Meghan. Um, And that's why it's so important that the letter is signed by women of all political persuasions. Like that's the most important thing to take away from it initially when you see the body of women who have come out and have said they're going to support Duchess Megan and her fight against these lies and the unfair reporting that these entities are doing on her. You know, it's unfair and it's, bu- it's, it's bullying. You can't call them all bleeding heart liberals. One of the ways that I've seen some people try to criticize the actual letter is that Oh, well, don't they have something better to do than to get involved in something like this? Maybe that's what their constituents want them to do. Maybe people have written to them and said, you know, I don't like the way that um, the Duchess of Sussex is being treated. She's new to this country. I just don't see why we stand for it. (laughs) Y'all don't know that the people didn't ask for this, you know, at least in some part. Whether they did or didn't. I guess there's always going to be some effort to quash any kind of support for Harry and Meghan, no matter who it comes from. But you can't deny the power in this. People can try as they might to dismiss it, but it's unprecedented, right? It's still unprecedented. I've never seen anyone uh, come out this forcefully in support of a royal because At face value, you think, well, a royal, a duchess, a duchess, they don't need anybody speaking for her, you know, but this one actually does. The reporting is a tad bit different. Therefore, the response is going to be different. And I I appreciate, I, I really appreciated seeing it. Megan is also a feminist duchess, right? That's kind of how... People lovingly describe her a feminist duchess, a feminist princess. We knew she was all about empowerment. She told us that from the very beginning, from the very beginning, when her and Harry were still engaged. She said, well, I'm a feminist and, you know, my work in the royal family is going to be centered around girls and women, empowerment and education and access. Period, says That's what she said. That's what she said. I remember she was wearing a navy blue dress when she said it. So, again, she hasn't changed who she is. She still is who she is. And so the fact that 72 women came out and supported her, I mean, it shows that they support her in who she is. But also, as we know, they don't stand for the type of bullying that she's going through. So, To see Megan go out and support women, always, always to be talking about ways that she wants to use her platform to improve the lives of women of all economic backgrounds, social backgrounds, racial backgrounds. To see her do that same work just weeks ago in South Africa and then for her to come home, you know, to bullying. It it was nice to see a British body do that and support her and say we as women we want to support one of our own because Megan is an English woman now too she's the English rose they didn't know they needed so that's important too Shay 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 (laughs) and so when I see these two entities right up against one another parliament And the royal family, I know it's not the full parliament, but all of the women on the letter are members of parliament. Next to the institution of the royal family, right? You can't help but to, you know, compare, compare response. (laughs) When you see Harry and Meghan at the center, they're literally fighting for their lives, y'all. See the response of one versus the non-response of the other. And again, I'll say it again, I don't know. Who has said what to them behind the scenes and in private? But I know what's not shown. I know what has not been shown publicly. Because you can you can say a lot and never have to use a word. You never have to release a statement. But you can show 
with your actions that you support. You know, your brother or your son or, you know, your nephew or whatever, grandson, girl. But I look at the members of parliament and I say, well, they feel empowered. They are empowered. They know their power. And I look at the royal family and I kind of see them as sitting ducks in a way. Um, we know they're sitting on their hands, right? Or at least it feels like that. But girl, show me some evidence to the contrary. Because that's that's what I'm seeing, right? But I see a body that knows its power and is using it and one that knows its power but is afraid to use it. Or they're just deliberately not using it. So on the one hand, you have these 72 ladies who are elected, right? They have their power by election. So they're elected to office and they're fully aware of the times that we're living in and that this is a moment in time. Like it's a moment in history that people are going to look at. And then you have the royal family that occupies a historical monarch. And they're completely dismissive of the current times that we're living in, you know, and the climate that we're in and how Brexit and, you know, the polarization of really people all over the Western world. And that includes the media. How that is like directly impacting people in your family. They're completely ignoring it. And if this were another time in history, that might be the quote unquote appropriate thing to do when you're talking about the sixth in line and his wife, right? But see, things are a little bit different because the sixth in line, and I'll say this every episode on this podcast if I have to, the sixth in line, whether y'all want to believe it or not, and his wife are carrying the royal family into the modern age, right? No, they're not the future queen, future king, but they're the only ones that anybody is talking about. So now we're talking about relevance. And if you don't have relevance as a monarchy, what do you have? So it's a moment in time. The women are looking at it and realizing they want to be on the right side of history, right? They want to be on the right side of this moment. But understand this. The royal family is not oblivious. They just don't care. They think that the never explain, never complain method works in every situation. And of course, it has been documented that they use that selectively. So then now it's like you're ignoring this deliberately because we know you don't ignore everything. So again, the institution is selective. Let's talk about relevancy. Women like Holly Lynch only gain more relevance in society going forward because of actions like the ones she took with regard to the open letter to the Duchess of Sussex, essentially not being afraid to speak out and do the right thing, regardless of how it's received. So again, we have the first feminist princess, and not just feminist in words, but feminist in deeds. And they see what works for the time, and they decided that it fits their constituency and themselves. So these members of parliament, they support the way of the future. That is a long-sighted view. The short-sighted view is to do what the royal family is doing and just ignore it and hope it goes away. Hope Harry and Meghan can take care of it on their own. I don't know what that looks like in a month. I don't know what it looks like in a year or 10 years even, but do they, I mean, like, do they know what receipts are? Do they know what the internet is? Do they know that people don't even have to have a memory at all because they have Google? People are not going to, I mean, I, maybe I'm putting too much faith in people, but I, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to soon forget the hypocrisy, especially given that 
Princess Diana was in the same situation and she lost her life behind it. And not only that, but to have Harry directly reference that more than twice or at least twice. And the royal family not say, we got you, boo. You are our son. You are my brother. Do you think I would ever let something like that happen to your family over my dead body? That's what that should be. We don't have any indication that that's that's actually what the tea is over there. We don't. We don't. So I think they think it'll just take care of itself. It's going to go away. We never complain. We never explain. Girl, we're the royals. We live in castles and we're rich, rich, rich. And just ignoring the fact that two of their own are literally out here fighting for their dignity every day. Yeah, that's a losing approach. It's a lazy approach, too. And that's why they do things like buy Instagram followers for the future king and future queen. Yeah, I'm petty and I'm going to the petty zone right now. But that right there is just a, to me, it's like a microcosm for the whole operation. Right. Let somebody else do the work, the real work. And you just scoop right up under there and you take the credit, girl, because, you know, your good friends in the media are going to support you in that effort because just a couple of years ago, you was every other name in the book. Now you are here doing everything perfectly, even though ain't nothing changed on your end. Right. And so, of course, with that logic, with that kind of assurance from uh, the same entities that are bashing Harry and Meghan over the head, of course, you can buy Instagram followers and nobody's going to say a thing about it. Nobody in the media. As soon as Meghan and Harry hired someone uh, that you know, was a social media expert to help them with their foundation and their new IG page, Sussex Royal. They had all kind of crap to say. Oh, yeah. Well, Megan's stepping up her social media game. I guess she just wants to pass Kensington Royal. They tried to dog Megan for doing what she does. She ran a lifestyle brand, again, of her own. But Kensington Royal can buy Instagram followers when they don't think anybody's looking or when people are looking because who cares, right? And honestly, I think the media understands that that's what's happening, right? Nobody's going to write an article about it. And because of that, we're going to discuss it today on the podcast. Because <laughs> I'm petty. I'm petty. I'm petty. So let's discuss. First of all, we all see it. We've been seeing it, right? And we've been noticing since April 1st of 2019 that some kind of fishy was going on over there. And if you know, you know, April 1st, 2019 was when it's the birthday of Sussex Royal, at least being public. Now, I know why KP would want to not fall behind Sussex Royal, um, I guess it's a pride thing, right? Which, okay, all right. I'll give you a little bit of that, right? You have 7 million and on April 1st, 2019, this little account, Sussex Royal, has zero followers. You don't want to turn around, look up a year later and Sussex Royal has more followers than you and they've only been around a year while you've been around for years so perhaps it's a pride thing however aren't y'all the relevant ones aren't y'all the future king and queen which to me it's like why do the numbers matter anyway aren't you gonna have the actual crown like the hardware but again the british tabloid media they told us that harry and megan were irrelevant and so did the cambridge stands i guess will and kate wouldn't have said anything but their fans certainly did right they said that they were irrelevant. And it's mighty funny how the British tabloid media and Kensington Palace fans, they tend to parrot each other a lot, don't they? They echo each other so much. It's like they're one and the same. Like, sometimes you can't even tell them apart. But yeah, twinsies, that's what they said. 
So then how would it look for the irrelevant sixth in line on the most relevant media source, one of the most relevant media platforms, certainly social media platforms, to have millions more followers and supporters or participants than the future king and queen of England? And only in a matter of months, because it ain't even been a year. It's been April, April to now. It's going on November. That's seven months. So I just want to talk a little bit about what we're seeing and what we've seen. We've seen Kensington Palace start very slow on Instagram. At the time Megan joined the royal family, they were under 2 million followers. This is just a little bit of background. Hope it won't get too tedious. But that took years. One point something million followers took years. Getting like 13 comments. 7,000, 8,000 likes, whatever. You know, you do what you do. It is what it is. Wasn't good, wasn't bad. It just was what it was. Megan joins the royal family. That account increased millions in a matter of weeks to seven point, I believe, one or two million by the time Megan and Harry left that platform to start their own on Instagram. So it gained more than 6 million followers with one thing changing, and that being Megan now being in the family. Fast forward to April 2019, Sussex Royal is created. Sussex Royal sets a Guinness Book of World Records record for most followers gained in a 24-hour period They gained 3.5 million followers in one day. Half of what it took Kensington Royal to get at the time that Sussex Royal joined. So roughly half of what Kensington Royal already had, Sussex Royal had in a day. So they set the record. I believe Jennifer Aniston just broke that record less than a month ago. Okay. So congrats to her. But, uh. We know where the power is, right? So I just want to establish that. Almost immediately after Sussex Royal went public on Instagram, we saw Kensington Royal go up immediately. Immediately. Now, I think a lot of us at first were being very gracious about that because, you know, the algorithm... It can do some funny things. And so clearly all of this buzz was being generated when news broke that Harry and Meghan now had their own Instagram. And it's not completely illogical to think that someone who's brand new to Instagram in general would say, oh, wow, I can follow Harry and Meghan and Will and Kate. And they just follow both, you know. That happens. It's called a bounce. So nobody was really completely shocked that they went up from from like 7.1 to 7.2.3.4. Okay, cool. But then they kept going up at a rate that they didn't even increase when Megan was a part of that Instagram. So that's when we started to notice some funny stuff was going on over there. Some funny business. Some wacky work. Now, here is a number that I want you to remember. 500. Just tuck that away in the back of your mind. Now, anytime Sussex Royal, and a lot of times I just call Harry and Meghan Sussex Royal when I'm referring to anything that happens on the Instagram, but I'm referring to the two of them as a team, right? Because that is their team. That's our brand. Anytime Sussex Royal did anything to generate major news whether that was their intention or not, they would go up in followers from the original 3.5 million that they gained on the first day. Cool. All right. They would go up in followers as one would for someone as visible as they are, especially on a new account with Room to Grow. So, for example, Archie's christening, Archie's birth, because that was the first post. It's a boy. Or was it the second? It was like the second or something. But, you know, 
news. That was big news. Their anniversary, which happened shortly after that. And you saw the sweet video of the uh, this little light of mine playing and them signing where they officially became husband and wife. Other major announcements on the platform like Travelist, which was Harry's initiative, The Smart Set, which was Megan's initiative, also the British Vogue cover. That was huge. So, of course, they're going to have a bump for those big global news stories, right? Then you have the two tours that they've had since they have been on Instagram. That was the Morocco tour and the recent Southern Africa tour. Not just the tours, because with regard to Southern Africa, there was news within the tour that also caused them to go up in followers, such as Archie's big moment meeting the Archbishop Desmond Tutu with the family and us seeing him in all of his glory in video. That was the first time we saw Archie in video. They put that, they broke that (laughs) on their own Instagram story. So that's an automatic bump. And then to end the tour, they didn't post this on Instagram, but I noticed a bump when, when Harry released that statement on day nine, that historic statement on day nine of the tour. Everybody sat up, paid attention, and a lot of people hit follow. This is all Sussex Royal news. And each and every time, every time. As Sussex Royal (laughs) increased due to their own news, Kensington Palace also increased followers. Somebody please tell me what sense does that make? And understand, even negative news brings an increase in Sussex Royal followers because the negativity never reflects on Harry and Meghan. Even if somebody's trying to be negative about them, they just get more defenders. So it doesn't reflect poorly on their followers. They just get more followers, right? Like the Elton John story and the private planes and all of that. They got more followers through that. And yet, Kensington Palace gets a bump too, this late in the game. Even during periods where they don't post, for weeks they don't post. And yet, they're increasing at the same exact rate as Sussex Royal. Now, based on what I know about Instagram, there's no reason for a stagnant account to grow at the same exact rate as a consistently active account. Now, again, I told y'all I was petty. I'm going a little bit deeper. So if this ain't your cup of tea... It's fine. It's fine. I won't even be mad at it. But this is something that I have sort of, I've tried to refrain from talking about specifically on the podcast. You'll see me tweet about it every once in a while, but like, I can't hold it in anymore. And I know a lot of y'all are as petty as I am and you've been keeping track. We've been looking at these numbers and at some point, no matter what was going on on Sussex Royal, Sussex Royal never got within 500,000 followers of Kensington Palace. So that's that number, 500. That seems to be the magic number for Kensington Palace. They don't want Sussex Royal to be within 500,000 followers of them. And for the longest time, they were at about like 600,000 For like three, four months, you got to understand, Sussex Royal ain't but seven months old. Not even seven months yet. When this drops, it'll be seven months to the day. So you telling me an account that breaks a world record on the first day. And I think they broke a two-day or three-day record too. You telling me the seven months in, they have yet to pass the account that was only as big as it was because of the two of them being on it. So the most or the closest they would get to Kensington Palace, and and again, this is petty. I understand this is so petty. It's not a race. It's not a popularity contest. I mean, because Sussex Royal does better numbers on their posts, right? But 
the Africa tour happened. And the day that Sussex Royal finally broke within that 500,000 follower margin and began to sort of close that uh, toward basically evening it up with Kensington Palace was day three. And if you remember on day three, that was when they posted the story of them as a family walking around the corner, walking up the stairs. And they basically, they gave us all the pictures of Archie we could have ever wanted. They got a major bump from that just because that's what, that's what's going to happen. Just like I'm sure their follower, Kensington Palace followers go up whenever they post pictures of the kids or, you know, a new picture of Prince Louis or, you know, just people just love kids, you know, royal kids, especially. Right. But day three was Archie's day. So they got a bump. So I don't know. For me, it's sort of become compulsive a little bit. I do my little math calculations in my phone and I see that oh, wow, they gained this many followers. And that, I believe on that particular day, it put them behind maybe like 470, maybe 450, something something like that. But it was definitely below 500, right? And some will ask, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with Kensington Palace being ahead? What's wrong with them having more followers than Sussex Royal? Nothing is inherently wrong with that. I need to stress that. Nothing is inherently wrong with that. What's wrong about it is the method. It's fishy and it's dishonest because it's not reflective of what's really happening. You know what? Like, do you see that? And not only that, but like, and I haven't even planned to get into this, but they're basically copying Sussex Royal all the way up and through. Their captions got longer. Their stories got cleaner. Their page got cleaner. And we know this is, Megan is an expert at this. Yeah, they got social media teams, but her ideas get heard because she's always very hands-on with her own projects, right? The Kensington Palace page don't know what it wants to be. So what do they do? They copy. They copycat. That's what they do. So and and that's all fine and well because we already know Megan is the standard. We know Megan is the model. We know Harry and Megan as a couple, they are the modern royal couple. And all of their enterprises will reflect that. Their engagement and connection with the people who respond to them, that reflects that. The modern world responds to them. It doesn't quite respond to Kensington Royal and those therein, to put it nicely. And speaking of that number 500, I believe they're like 510,000 followers ahead. So they're back above 500,000, even though nobody has been talking about anything happening on their page. (laughs) So, but if you take a look into the account and the engagement that Kensington Royal gets, And if you know how engagement on Instagram works, it doesn't add up there either. So in short, the more you post, the more the app recommends your post to other people, whether they follow you or not. They start with your followers and then your posts begins to get recommended to people who don't follow you. And also, the more your posts are engaged with, the more your post is seen due to just plain old opportunity. So, for example, if you look on the activity tab and you click to see someone that you follow, they liked Oprah's post. Well, even if you don't follow Oprah, you can click on the activity. In this case, the activity being your friend liking Oprah's post. And Oprah's post is actually right there with the other activity of all the other people that you follow, right? So if you click on the post, even if you don't follow Oprah, but you like the post, let's say it's a quote, and you click that little heart, that's engagement. So you get to engage with non-followers just because your followers engage with your posts. But how can you get the engagement if you don't post? And if you don't post regularly, which Kensington Palace does not, you don't get the engagement. That's all it is. It's cause and effect. So if you don't post, your followers begin to slow down. So my question to KP 
or the KP social media manager or even the KP fangirls. How are you growing followers at the same exact rate as an account that has major growth, major breaking news, sometimes on a daily basis, and regular posting and engagement, all while not posting regularly and having very limited engagement? How are you doing that? You're buying the followers. That's how, sis. And again, they always, always, always hover around 500,000 followers ahead. You're never going to see Kensington Palace buy so many followers that they're back up to ahead of Sussex Royal by 1 million. They're going to keep it around that 500,000 mark so it doesn't look suspicious. But it already looks suspicious. Because if I were to put like a chart up somewhere of the growth pattern of both of these accounts, they're basically going to have an identical growth pattern at one particular point. It's going to be an identical growth pattern because they're always going to be 500,000 followers apart. And again, that makes no sense when the engagement on these accounts, the respective engagement couldn't be further from similar. They're the opposite. In fact, Kensington Palace is an account that has more followers than Sussex Royals and always, always has. Because Sussex Royal has never had more followers than KP. Because KP keeps buying them, right? But they get more likes. They get way more likes. They get way more comments. And here's one of the last things I'm going to mention about this. Sussex Royal has pretty much dominated the news cycle, right? In the last week, week and a half. Since the tour, they've been in the news because they've been making their own news, either with these lawsuits or, you know, again, making this back from maternity leave. And we're, we've just been seeing them a lot, a lot more compared to the majority of the time that Sussex Royal has been in existence. Megan was on maternity leave for much of that time. During this time, I noticed that Kensington Palace increased by about 25,000 followers in two days time. Two, that's not normal, okay? So I don't know what y'all believe, but y'all know what I believe. Uh, The thing that ticks me off about that, though, is that this is a microcosm for, like, who they are as a, I guess, as an entity. Um, They did that when they didn't think anybody was looking, right? Because everybody is talking about the documentary. Everybody's talking about the statement. Everybody's talking about the lawsuits. Everybody's talking about the well child speech, you know, or what have you. They do that sneaky stuff when they don't think nobody's paying attention. And they thought that nobody would notice, right? And as soon as Harry and Meghan get up a point, 9.7, 9.8, Kensington Royal goes up too. It's just weird. But you wouldn't have to do that if you could stand on your own work. Like if you could stand on your own merit. You wouldn't have to buy followers because there's nothing more shallow, nothing more empty than that. Because what y'all going to do when Instagram decides, all right, it's time to clean out the bots again. Kim Kardashian lost 3 million followers one time. I think maybe it was more because she bought some followers. And it it just looks embarrassing. So... I don't know what y'all going to do, but I hope it comes sooner <laughs> sooner rather than later because that would be hilarious. But, like, all you got to do is stand on your own feet, stand on your own work. You wouldn't have to be trying to keep up with the Joneses. Keep up with you. But you ain't going nowhere. That's the problem. No offense. You know, they're going to the throne in 30 years because I think the queen is going to live to at least be 100 So future king, future queen, but I'm going to be a senior citizen, God willing, you know, if I'm still here when that happens. So it's like, what y'all going to do between now and then? Because buying followers ain't it. Just be relevant in your own right. You won't have to be relevant on social media. Because I guarantee you, it don't matter whether Sussex Royal been past Kensington Palace or Sussex Royal only had 
half of the followers they have now. And they never pass Kensington Palace. Sussex Royal and Harry and Meghan gonna do Harry and Meghan. And it goes back to me saying, be who you are, know who you are, and stand in that. But I guess it's easier said than done for some folks. (sighs) Well, I'm glad I got that off my chest. (laughs) It's really a shame, girl, so... Um, I mean, I, I really hate to end on that note, but this has gotten very, very long and, um, but I'm really just so over people trying to tell the Sussexes that they owe the Cambridges anything when they don't. I saw another article today about, uh, I saw it. I didn't read it, but Kate told Megan, girl, don't worry about your mistakes Everybody who's new to the royal family has a hard time. And while that might be true, because it probably is true, uh, especially for the women. And and truly, I don't really know how valid it is because, you know, I always question the source. It was a Daily Fail article. Uh, But, I mean, that ain't the first time they tried that. So um, without being able to really verify myself, I probably shouldn't comment on it. But again, it's one of those things where... Okay, you propping Kate up. Kate's supposed to be this expert. Kate ain't doing nothing. Why are you propping her up? She, I mean, she's doing what she can. I'm not holding that against her. But why are you propping her up? And the thing is, if I'm Kate, you're not finna use me to tear another woman down. That That's what I, that's, that's the way I would look at it. And, you know, Kate might not be as brave as Megan is. We're going to put it in those terms. She might not be as brave. She's a little bit mousy to where she kind of, you know, people love to say she never set a foot wrong. Well, she does what she's told. She's done very well at following direction since becoming a royal. So she might not be so likely to come out and say, listen, don't use my name to bash this woman. That's inappropriate. Even behind the scenes, she might not do that. But she sure does benefit from it. You know, and and that's irksome. Not that she wants to, but it's just irksome. But maybe she does want to. I don't know. I don't know. And that's just the thing. I don't know because they're not showing us anything to the contrary one way or the other. And it has also been said that the royal family, in conjunction with the press, has driven a, a big part of the smear campaign. Many reporters have actually gone on record and said that. Some with credibility issues, but... What reason would they have to lie about that? Ratchet, ratchet, ratchet. Well, that's all I have for today. I really hate to end on a negative note, but guess what? It has to be done. It has to be done. Take away. I'm petty. Stop buying Instagram followers and just do your work. Do the work. Do the work. Megan's awesome. Squad's awesome. And um, please definitely go check out 52 Lives. That charity is 52-lives.org and see how you can get involved and actually maybe check out their Facebook page if they have one. Yeah, they do have a link at the bottom of their page. Uh, So you can see the charity, how it started on the platform that it started, that it grew and um, definitely follow them on Instagram. It's a really, really cool page, 52 Lives. And uh, just remember, at the high, at the heart of it all is kindness. If we all had a little bit more of that, entire industries weren't driven by negative news, negative headlines. Um, I, I know there would be a lot of people who would be much happier than they are right now. So we can all do our part to add just that little extra drop of kindness in the world. So definitely check them out. Thanks for hanging out with me again on this Thursday. Make sure you check me out on Twitter. I'm trying to tweet more. It's hard to tweet during the day uh, now, but somehow I'm managing one (laughs) every once in a while, but I I try to retweet way more than I actually tweet now. Uh, Check me out on there. I am at Sussex Squad. Find me on Instagram at Sussex Set. If you feel compelled or would like to, definitely join my uh, Patreon page. I'll put the link in the description for all of those. And don't forget to check out the Sussex Rising playlist. You can find that on Spotify. That's where I put all of the music that I use for my edits. 
just so people can find them. A lot of people ask, hey, what song is that? Well, it's right there on the playlist, as well as with some other cuts that I consider some of my favorites that kind of fit, or at least the lyrics, or the mood, actually, because some of those some of those songs are like head-busting songs. So if it ain't your thing, it's cool. Um, but, you know, if it's the, the spirit that I feel like Harry and Meghan have through what they uh, what they have to put up with over there, because God knows. Look out for more content on YouTube. I'll be doing some short-form content on there. Haven't done that in a while. You know, those short, like, eight- or nine-minute videos that I make. Um just for little things that happen between the podcast that I don't, by the time Thursday gets here, it's kind of like old news. So it's something I try to do along the way. Definitely look out for that. I'm going to try to put a couple of videos up this week. Oh, cause I still want to drag Wendy Williams. That's already old news. Oh, but I'm a drag her. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not necessarily a fan of drag culture, but I hate Wendy. I hate Wendy. So at some point, I'm going to get around to, to that. Somebody said, well, why haven't you talked about Wendy Williams yet? It's coming. It's coming. I just have to I just have to have time to do it right. So as always, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.